Hi, everyone. Welcome back to episode 28, my gosh, of Digging Through Dominoes. I'm your host, Terry Anderson, and in this podcast, we talk about those dominoes that were put out on our table, went cascading in a way we had no control of. We're going to redo the game, take control of our future, and then be in charge of the dominoes we play. We've been speaking about the book by Jasmine Lee Corey called The Emotionally Absent Mother. Last week, we spoke about reasons why mother may have been absent, some of the things that we see within ourselves. This week, we're going to speak about the process of healing. Is it possible? Well, yeah, but you've got to be aware of it first. I wasn't aware of it. Dr. Corey talks about the cover-up. I'm going to read this right here. It's probably apparent that you or someone you care about has a mother wound. You may be surprised that some adults who suffer significantly from mother wounds are unaware and deny them completely. Therapists recognize many times those with the most wounding have created the biggest cover-ups to hide the damage from view. Well, many people, it seems, I was not one of them, create these larger-than-life pictures of their mother, which I feel I've done for my father, but I really don't know. Still, to me, when I look at it, my dad was is and always has been much larger than life. My mother was very difficult for me to come to terms with. I think I realized, I didn't realize that I had a mother or a parent childhood neglect trauma that started my CPTSD. I was blaming it on my marriage and the adoption of so many kids being overwhelmed, being overlooked and things, you know, along those lines. But you know what? It started somewhere. I think I, I realized and then thought I was over it when I was about 30 and someone in a group of women that I knew invited me to an adult children of alcoholics class. Now, my mother was not a drinker, but my father was. The concepts, however, applied to both of my parents in the way I felt as I was growing up, not seen, not enough, not good enough. I could have been better. I didn't want you. Things are more important. And there was a time in that class, you know, at first I was shocked. How did this woman that does not know me or did not know me have any idea to invite me to an adult children of alcoholics class? I didn't, she knew nothing about me. But I go because I'm wanting, we're in a new town. I'm wanting to make friends. I go, well, my dad was an alcoholic. And I'm thinking, hey, maybe this will help something that I don't know I have. About halfway into the class, I became intensely angry with both of my parents. And it's been so long ago. It's been, you know, 30 years ago. I can't really remember exactly where it was, but we were in the middle of the class. I became so angry with my parents that I wouldn't speak with them. My kids were supposed to fly down to see my parents in Texas from Washington, and I didn't allow it. I was livid. But by the end of the class... I thought I had made great progress. 
the anger had lifted. I felt much more in tune with my parents. And I realized at that point in time, they did the best they could with what they had. And I I know at that time, I had looked back at their parents, how they were mothered. None of Neither of my grandfathers were present, but how my mom and my dad were both mothered. I thought it was over. No. One thing I think that came to me, I went to make, you know, what do you get your parents that have everything? I decided to make them books of memories. And I started with my father and I, and it was very easy. It was very easy to make. And I didn't censor it. There were good memories. There were bad memories. There were neutral memories. There were everything. And I filled that book up. Then it came time to make the one for my mother. And I struggled. One, to find any memories other than damning memories. I had no And I still have no good childhood memories that include my mother. So let's fast forward a little bit in my journey. On the morning of July 3rd, 2006, I got a phone call from my aunt. Four o'clock in the morning, informing me my mother was in the hospital and in grave condition. I was freaking shocked. I had spoken to my mother not even 12 hours before. And my aunt said, you need to call your uncle. Well, it was just seconds, which seemed like an eternity. And I call, I got a hold of my uncle who was at the hospital with my mother. And his words were, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. Your mother just died. Everything inside of me shut off. I remember walking out and telling my husband my mother's just died. I couldn't wrap my my head around it. I went and bought clothes for the funeral. I went and did everything I needed to do, not a tear shed. I was in shock. How could this be? How could my mother be gone? Got on the plane. My, my... Brothers kept calling me, Dad, won't you hear? Dad, won't you hear? And you know, I'm in Oregon and my family was in Texas. Dad, won't you hear? When are you going to be here? When's your flight? Everything. I don't remember a lot. I remember going with my dad uh, to pick out the flowers in the casket. And I don't remember much of her funeral at all. But I knew that I needed to jump in and help take care of my dad. My dad made it very clear he wanted me there. I used that to avoid grieving the death of my mother. Why did it go down that tangent? I don't know, but we're going to tie it in somewhere. Looking back on it, I can see. Okay, so I've got pictures of my mother and I've got pictures of my father in my home. Now, the book I made for my mom and my dad, why was it harder for me to make the book for my mother? than it was for my father. Why can I, my, my dad died 400, I think it's like 437 days after my mother died. I can look at his pictures. I can talk about him. But I cannot look at the pictures of my mother. Why is that? 
it's because my mother died without a resolution to our lifelong struggle struggle to have more than a surface level relationship along with me not dealing with the trauma, the neglect, and the abuse I suffered as a child that's connected with my mom. Still, it's really hard for me to say that. I mean, I was in counseling since 2008, and it wasn't until, you know, my therapist was asked me, well, what about your childhood? And I wouldn't, it was like, oh, I've got, I've had, you know, the best childhood ever. I met all these people. I did all these things. My dad taught me all this stuff. Well, what about your mom? Well, um, I would change the subject. I could not bring myself to talk about that because I didn't think Inside, I knew my body was screaming, you've got trauma, you need to deal with this. But I couldn't do it. Then in 2019, I got involved with a woman that was older than me, who was a very malignant in my mind and in what I'm reading, sociopathic narcissist. And that encounter did several things for me. One, if you, in the last episode, I referred to Taylor Swift's new song, Mastermind. This woman was the mastermind. And one of her signature songs she would sing, she was a blues singer in the Pacific Northwest. She bought, brought women's blues really to the Pacific Northwest and got it out there one of her signature songs was Tell Mama. I was leaving the, the massage therapist. I'll, I'll drop the lyrics of these songs in the show notes below. I was leaving my massage therapist who knew her very well. And I had known her for quite some time. And, you know, healing comes in some of the most unlikely of circumstances. This woman had inflicted great pain upon me. It didn't start out that way. It started out she was doing everything in the lyrics Tell Mama. Tell me what you need. Tell me what you want. I'll do it. She filled. And I owe her, even though it was done maliciously, it still filled every crack and every hole that was left by my mother. I didn't know it at the time. When I, when I heard Taylor Swift's song, you know, there are a lot of things that click. The, the lyrics to Tell Mama, the lyrics to Taylor Swift's song, a video that I watched today by Dr. Les Carter, I'll link him in the show notes below, speaking about, oh, let's just open this up, find out. Listening to Dr. Les Carter's video entitled, Uncovering the Sociopathic Narcissist Traits. My gosh, the, this morning it was just, that was Margot, 100%. But even though she, she caused a lot of damage in my, my life, she allowed me to heal certain parts by giving me things my mother should have given me. Unconditional love, the ability to be myself, 
she celebrated me. We would go places. We would take pictures. I mean, it was all about me. I can look back on it now and see there was a plan in place, but that doesn't matter. We have to put that aside. I've got two boxes when it comes to her. And one was very good, very nurturing, very healing. That allowed me to broach the subject after I left the situation with Margot. I was able to go to my therapist. Somehow she unlocked something within me to realize I needed to revisit my childhood, my mother, my father, my family, the way I grew up, the way my parents grew up. So I did that, and I realized that in Jasmine Lee Corey's book, she talks about the cover-up, and that's what I did. I had protected my mother all these years. It was too painful me, painful for me to go into the immense hurt I felt, which I took very, very personally. And now I'm seeing it was my mother's trauma. It wasn't me. I wasn't flawed. I had deficits. And I had deficits because my mother had deficits. You know, some of this, this chapter nine, the process of healing in Dr. Lee, Dr. Corey's book apply. Some of it, some of them do not like being triggered when you see a, a tender mother child. Man, I've got like a long ass hair on me. Sorry, guys. When you see a mother, tender mother child relationship happening, no, that really makes me smile. I like that. I think things that trigger me are things that have to do around abandonment. That was a common theme with my mother. I'm going to put you in the trash can. I'm going to lock you out of the house. We were locked out of the house on numerous occasions. You know, there's just a lot of stuff there. Not taking me to the doctor, ignoring me, locking herself in her room, all of these things. I think the way that my mother wound was triggered was from my husband continually, sometimes weekly, telling me from the beginning of our marriage, I'm going to leave you. And that would send me into a tailspin. That's really, I think, how I get triggered with my mother wounds. One is that people leave. Two, people have their own agenda and I don't matter. I'm sort of in the background. Their agenda is always more important than mine. And mine is um, always wrong. Theirs are always right. I'm always wrong. That's how I see the wounding in myself from my mother. One of the things that she talks about is a lot of times we feel like we would be better off not to look deeply into our relationship with our mothers is that's one thing that we feel and that's one thing I did although I didn't know why when you visit your mother sometimes you find yourself numbing or going into a trance-like state no that wasn't the case I felt when I was with my mom I was on I would do anything to get her attention not in a bad way but laughing talking about things that she liked wanting to go places with her, you know, I would get triggered when I would see her taking my brothers and their families on vacations, and I couldn't go. I wasn't allowed to go. 
those were so deeply painful because I I yearned to be close to my mother. I yearned to be something in her eyes. And the things that happened didn't just taint my relationship with my mother, but it did with my brothers, with my aunts, with my entire family. I have never felt good enough. And there was a time that, I mean, I hit rock freaking bottom. Everyone in my life can tell you because they witnessed me going down in bright orange, sizzling flames to the bottom of the barrel. That's what it took for me to rebuild myself. And then years later, discover the root of my crash. Another sign would be craving true closeness but feeling uncomfortable or afraid of it. Label me that. That would be me. I crave a close, fun, giving relationship with my family, with friends. But I'm never enough. I have never been able to measure up. In my mind, I think. My aunts lately have shown me that I don't indeed measure up and that hurts. I can't cry on here. It hurts. It hurts so badly. And I have to pretend that it's okay that they are doing the same thing my mom did. When these, it's just very hard. And I find that with my husband, I've pushed myself very far away from him. We really don't have a relationship. We have nothing in common. I've been pushed away too many times. Things have come before. I just, there's a deep pain there. And I have tried to fill it in all the wrong ways. You know, when you, Dr. Lee talks about discovering your wound and how we have created protection around ourselves to sort of hide that wound because it hurts. And it may take a lot of time for us to really, we know there's something there. I remember the feeling if I know there's something there and I ran from it, but I didn't ever look at it. I thought I did. And I blamed it on the one person in front of me that did add to it, but it was not the cause of my problems, of my insecurities of my feelings of not being good enough, of my being afraid to have a relationship with anyone and always keeping everyone at arm's length, which pretty much is my motto today. Arm's length, please, people. That's me. So sometimes life circumstances brings the wound to the forefront. That's what happened with my situation with Margot. I don't know how it just unlocked that part of my soul, my heart, my mind that I had kept hidden and wouldn't speak of. I miss my mother terribly. Was she the mother I wanted? No, she was the mother I had. But I can recognize her faults. I shouldn't say faults. I should say deficits because she didn't get what she needed to be able to give me what I needed. I'm sure many of you can identify with that. And it is a pain. And it is very 
difficult to come to that realization that you can love your mother, but still see she had problems of her own. And I think that's why I never went deeply with that. You know, my relationship with my mother never really felt simple. It felt every time I called her, I was afraid I was going to get the dissatisfied voice. You call it the wrong time voice. And how much it hurt me being an adult. I think my mother died when I was 44. But I always felt like a child around her. I always felt like a child around my aunts. I never truly felt like an adult really in any way. So that shows me part of me is developmentally stunted that I, it stopped my growth, my emotional growth in that core wound of abandonment is still fresh and it's still open. Jasmine Lee Quarry talks about the fact that many times those with great wounding will take years to even admit there was a problem in their relationship with their mother. Hello, poster child here. That's me. It took me well over a decade after her death to admit there was deep, there were deep problems in my relationship with my mother. My mother, you know, one thing I can take take solace in, in is my mother was not only cool and indifferent with me. She was with her sisters. I saw her that way with my father in the early years, not so much in the later years. And she didn't have many friends. She had one very, very close friend that lived across the street from her. But my mother kept everyone at arm's length. And it was very hurtful, not only to me, but her sisters, her family, everybody. And that's something I really need to work on and remember, hey, Terry, it wasn't just you. Your mother had some things that were haunting her. She didn't know how to deal with them. And then Dr. Corey also talks about the people that are aware they have problems with their mother, like me, often take a very long time to explore them because it almost seems sacrilegious to be upset with our mothers. These are the women that gave us birth, that nurtured, well, (laughs) can't say that. But we have that bond with them and it just feels so unnatural to be angry with them. And I was angry with my mother. I'm not anymore. I got over the anger 30 years ago, but the hurt is still there. And when I reached the bottom it was coming out in, in very bad ways. There is a portion in here. I don't know how I'm going to cut that, but we're, we're kind of going to pivot because this is important. In Dr. Corey's book, she talks about reframing deficits or defects as deficits. So I am not defective, but I have a deficit in that mother love. I have a deficit in not in, in feeling that I am important and not expendable. To everyone in my life, I have been expendable. And I need to realize that is not my problem. That is their problem. 
have I added to that? Of course I have. Of course I have. When she talks about that this something that we feel that originated with our mothers, it still affects us today. It affected me in so many ways. You know, my mother was was very vocal about some things with me, always in a displeased manner. Or she just wouldn't talk to me. And I just never felt I was good enough. And I couldn't ever put it together because to look at it deeply for me would mean, hey, Terry, there is a problem with you. The mother, the woman who gave birth to you did not like you. There's something wrong with you. Her family does not like you. There's something wrong with you. Your husband puts you at the bottom of the list. There's something wrong with you. When you feel like there's something wrong with you, you act like there's something wrong with you. Sometimes. Dr. Corey says, you know, you really need to work out your feelings. And one of the, she's, she suggests a good therapist, which believe me, takes a long time to find. Group therapy, uh, hello, no, not showing up for that. Thank you. Journaling. All right. After my mother died in 2008, I had a blog, very popular blog. And it had, it was when I had been misdiagnosed. And I was writing my feelings and my feelings were raw. They were ugly. They were hurting. They were uncensored. And there was a lot of anger and a lot of pain coming out. Looking back on it, I can see where people would think, oh my gosh, this girl is losing it. I was losing it. My gosh, at that point, I was realizing, although subconsciously, there was no more time to repair the relationship with my mother. I would never be able to be what I wanted to be in the eyes of my mom. Now, that was in my mind. I don't know what was in my mother's mind. I know she loved me. And she was an incredible grandmother. But to me, having to live on the other end of that stick, the clock had stopped. There was no more time to repair it. Guess what? I had to self-destruct before I could rebuild. You know, I think there's a lot of times in life that we, we feel that any pain that we're going through is going to go on forever. In reality, it doesn't. The only time it goes on forever is when we don't deal with it. And then it can turn in so many unexpected ways against ourselves or those we love. And that happened with me. And, you know, it's very difficult because... That was nice. Siri just apologized to me. <laughs> Siri, you stop listening. One of the ways that Dr. Corey, and actually I, I had to do this in order to look at the things with my mother, recommends or says has to happen for us to move forward is get into the what she calls the witness position and sort of separate ourselves from the pain, from the trauma, 
and try and look at it objectively. That's harder said than done. As I said, that's taken me well over a decade. This I'm recording on Monday, October 1st, 2022. My mother was killed July 3rd, 2006. It's been a long time that I didn't want to look at it. And, you know, it's just within, like I said, in the last couple of years, I've been able to separate myself from the trauma. Truthfully, I think part of that was a medication that I was on for my heart, but it also helps people separate traumatic events or the pain of the trauma from the event. It was propranolol, and they had given that to me for my heart, which led me on a whole goose chase of things. But that's another point where I, I noticed that I was starting to be able to look at the events and feel less of the pain. Now, when I first started out with this, you know, I just sort of exploded with anger, with pain, with not knowing what was going on. And I did what uh, Dr. Corey talks about is journaling. And she says, it's a very safe place for your feelings. Well, unfortunately, I did mine online in a blog. And I wanted to read you one or two of the pieces. So you know, kind of where I was at this at that time. And this one was written, or it was posted in February 2010, but I know that I wrote this in, in uh, 2008. It was on another site. It's called Unorthodox. Even in the midst of the fog, the vision was clear, unsettling, but necessary. Through the haze, I heard the call and followed the echo of my name that was being repeated in the heavy, thick air that was surrounding me. Time had been suspended in those eternal moments, and the distraction that followed was a welcome relief from the bombardment. The movements, smooth and deliberate, emotion was numbed, and release was imminent. Seeing the effect of those carefully placed strokes was strangely calming, and despair was banished. All the unorthodox in its delivery, the ethereal peace that flooded my mind and body was as life-giving as a... I'm going to leave that last line out. Fill in your... Or this could get kicked back. The whirlwind that surrounded my being was for a time stifled. The world had stopped and I was allowed to catch my breath. I'm left to con contemplate the actions, the benefits, and wonder if another time I shall surrender to its spell. Now, that's just an example of the pain that I was in at that time. It was not understood by many. Um, a lot of my family read that, yet only reached out in disgust, not in, oh, girlfriend, you're hurting. Or my, you know, a lot of the friends that I met online did because they had understood and had gone through the very same thing. So they were understanding this, but a lot of people had not. What did I do? Did I touch a thread or something in them? that made them back up. You know, I don't know, but many of my writings at that time were much like that in wanting to find the peace, trying to find out what was going on, trying to numb the pain that was in my being, 
journaling for me was wonderful. It let the, but it also, since I chose an online platform, it let the world in on what I was going through, which was both good and bad. You know, and with my world being so upside down with the death of both of my parents and my grandson, my, one of my sons was hit by a drunk softball coach and left on the side of the road for dead. And I was in a motorcycle accident. So I had a lot of trauma upon trauma, upon trauma, upon trauma, and a lot of also things that were happening behind the facade of my family that the public didn't know about. My family didn't know about. My external family didn't know about. And so I'm sure a lot of what happened in the way I was acting out was very baffling to them as it was to me. I chose to run, like I said before, and I ran and I ran and I ran in all the wrong directions. But I can look back on my writings now, and I don't feel the pain associated with them. I can see, whoa, this girl was so hurt. Now, what do we do to fix the hurt? We do everything that I did, I think. You know, I think the pivotal point, as I said, was my relationship with Margot. And I was able to get a lot of that validation that I had sought from my mother, from her. You know, it's a whole nother mess to, to deal with. But that's kind of where it started. And with the propranolol, I really think, you know, and when my, when, when it, when the door was closed, or so I thought to any healing or my parents were, were concerned, I went off the deep end. I didn't know what to do. There was, I can clearly see it now. There was no way out. I would never be enough. For anyone. And so I acted as if I would never be enough for anyone. I destroyed myself, I destroyed my family. And I'm only now at the place in my life where I can look back and say, you know what, I effed up majorly. Even though I was in a state of confusion and in a state of intense grief and confusion, I have to own what happened. I have to own and take responsibility for my actions. Were there reasons behind it? Yeah, but you know what? I don't care. If I don't take responsibility, then it's on me. I'm learning those things now. You know, Dr. Corey also talks about it's important to liberate anger that has been locked in your body. Anger that may have been suppressed even before it was felt. The rage you felt as an infant or toddler. And how it can affect your body. Oh my gosh, it's affected my body. I have been sick for years. And it's the weirdest things. It's things that nobody can figure out. They're legitimate, but no one can figure them out. It is that pain. It's the stress. It's the emotion that's trying to come out. And if I can let it out in a healthy way, via this podcast, via speaking to people about what I went through and seeing them benefit Maybe I'm not going to start be, or continue, maybe I won't continue taking it out on my own body and I'll become much healthier. That would be a really good thing. You know, one of, there are some exercises that she speaks about with anger. And with me, I have a problem with the word anger in the, used in this situation. Yes, I do think it's valid. But for me, anger is a much easier feeling to feel than unworthiness and fear. And she says one of the things 
you can do when you're speaking or thinking about things with your mother that are unresolved. I'm angry because. For me, it would be, I'm afraid because, and I would finish that with, I'm afraid people will see the real me, the one my mother saw, and will have nothing to do with me. I'm afraid that what my mother said was true and I can't accomplish anything. Even though I'm very accomplished, I'm afraid people are going to find out that that's a fraud. Then she says, think of beneath the anger, beneath the anger I feel. For me, it would be fear, a great amount of fear. And grieving, she speaks about grieving is such a crucial process Grief, grieving is something I don't really understand, to tell you the truth. I don't have, with all of my years in therapy and all my research and everything that I've done, grief, I still don't understand. There are days you think you have it solved, and there are days something hits you smack dab in the face. And I think what you saw earlier in the tears was grief. It was the feeling that I'm still not good enough. I'm not only grieving the loss of my parents, my grandchild, certain children, my marriage, the sense of myself, although I am building myself, I do have a sense of identity, but I had to grieve the loss of my sense of identity. And, you know, grief is something I just really don't understand, And I'm not really sure what that is. I guess, you know, she says in the end, we have to give up on the fantasy of the hoped for mother because the mother we had is the mother we, the mother we had was what we had. It's not our fault. It wasn't her fault. And we've got to find a way to forgive ourselves, forgive our mother and move forward to find peace. If we can't do that, we cannot find peace. And she has an exercise here that's called if only. And I do not relate to the first I had to I wrote my own if only. She speaks of if only's relate to mom and her well being. You know, I never thought about that. I never thought if only she would get on the right meds. If only she would get on top of her depression. If only she'd go to therapy. Those were not things discussed when I was a kid. Those were taboo. What I would think in that if only would be, if only I could make her see I'm a worthy person. If only I could get her to love me. If only I could have her be proud of me for my academic achievements. If only she could be proud of me for my interior decorating skills. If only she could see me now. Maybe she can. You know, I don't know. I know that a lot of people can see me now, but they are unwilling to let go of the past. And that's that's very difficult. I went to my husband the other day and I said, you know, I listened to some recordings that I made when we were fighting. We were having some problems. I And I said, I need to ask you to forgive me. I can see the hurt that you had in those those times and not knowing what was going on. I can understand your hurt and I ask you to forgive me for that. This is what I was thinking. How can he read my mind? And you know, that was a step for me because we are at a standoff in our relationship and we have been for years. 
And that was a big thing. That was a big thing. Being able to see his hurt, I think it goes a long way in being able to forgive myself for my hurt and not understanding my hurt. My gosh, if I have to explain it to somebody else, I've got to explain it to myself. And I think I pretty much have a handle on it. From what I know right now, I have to make a disclaimer. I don't know what scary clown is going to jump from what wind-up box at any given moment of any day of the year. It's happened before. It will happen again. And you know what? I'll deal with it again. So that was something that I wrote in 2008, what I wrote, read to you before. This is something that I wrote, wrote in 2021, January 15th, 2021. There was a time in her past she believed what others thought of her didn't matter much. She believed she was herself. Her gypsy soul and carefree spirit were in a box, yet she was unaware at that time. It was only of recent the realization she had indeed attempted to force herself into a box society found acceptable was unveiled. Looking back, there were many signs she would never fit in. She would never fit in the box most people, stuck in a box of their own making, would deem unobjectionable. What the heck I meant by that, I don't really know. But I think I'm I, at that point, I'm coming to understand. You know, I, I don't need to fit in the box that people have for me. I am myself. And I was attempting to put myself in a box my mother thought was okay, my husband thought was okay, society thought was okay, my family thought was okay. And you know what? I'm messy. I'm outside the lines. I'm not in the box. And I bet you're not either. Sometimes that's hard to realize and say, hey, I don't have to fit in a pre-made box. I have seen what happens when I've been forced into a box. And it's not a very pretty picture. I don't think anyone wants to be forced into a box that is not of their making. We're not, we're not black and white people. We have messy edges. And that's okay. Our parents had messy edges. And that's okay. And realizing how their messy edges were created, not of their own doing, is so liberating. It lets us move forward with our own lives while forgiving our parents and forgiving ourselves. You know, and leaving the past, you know, I, you cannot leave the past until you've discovered the past. You cannot leave the past until you have figured out what the heck is going on. It's like, you know, I'd go into my doctor and there are things going on and they want to treat the symptoms. I don't want the tr symptoms treated. I want the root cause treated. Unless we get to the root cause, we cannot be free. We cannot be whole. We cannot be well. There are those would not, that would rather, this is Jasmine Lee Corey. There are those that would rather not go into the inner recesses, often use words, or those that go there often use words like wallowing. They throw out words to shame us. And give us the message to just get over it. You are not worth it. You know, and it's true. There is danger of getting stuck in the past. But unless you open up that box, where the heck are you stuck? Unless you look at what happened, you can't move forward. 
I have to see my life going forward at 60 years old from what is November, uh, October 31st, 2022. If I don't look at my past, I can't move forward. I will be stuck in my past. I have to open just as you do the boxes we are able. Look at them, examine them, realize what was our fault. What happened to us from our parents? It came from generational dysfunction. And it wasn't mostly their fault. I realize there are people in situations whose parents are evil, whose grandparents were evil. Mine were not. They were victims of their genetic line in the way they were brought up. You know, I sit here almost at a loss for words. But I think the best way to describe that is working, you know, we're not speaking of fathers right now, but I guess this could be added to fathers and families, working through the wounds left by our mothers, our fathers, our families is not an easy task. But we really need to be able to try if we're willing. I realize not everyone is able or at the point to be able to do that. To me, it was a life or death situation. I had to look at it. I had to see it, or I was going to continue down the path of destruction, of self-destruction, because I could not fix the relationship with my mother. I could not get to a point where I could see that she loved me. I mean, I, logically, I know she loves me, loved me, but that feeling of being a baby is still there. The reality of having to deal with her sisters is reinforcing that feeling of being unworthy. It's not their, it's not their problem. I had to be worthy on my own. They were raised by the same people that raised my mother. And they were all affected in different ways. I affected my children because I was not aware at the time. Working through mother wounds isn't easy. Working through family wounds isn't easy. It takes immense energy and time. And one thing I have to say in speaking with my therapist last Friday, it was, I was, uh, group therapy is not for me, but the therapy with my therapist, I finally found the right therapist and the right psychiatrist. They get me. And he told me something in therapy last week that really made me believe in myself. He said, Terry, I have other clients that are not willing to look past what's right there. They're not willing to take that step. They can't. They're frozen and they cannot progress. You take these steps and you are running with them. You are making progress. You're not the same person you were when I first met you, probably eight years ago. You are one of the clients that make my practice worth it. That was really wonderful to hear because so many times I wonder, am I making progress? Because I still hurt. If you listen to the podcast on the intergenerational trauma, you can see I still hurt. 
you know what? That's human. What can I do about that hurt? I cannot change the way they feel. I can't do it. Nothing in me can change the way they feel, the way they think. All, you know, I can, you know, what really hurts is seeing them like a post on my social media or leave a comment, but they're unwilling to call me. That hurts. And that's something I need to deal with. Deal with. I want to hear from you guys. If any of you want to be a guest, please let me know. I would love to have you on. I have actually a, a friend of mine is willing to come on. I have some authors that are going to be coming on. I'm looking forward to that day. But I want to hear from you. The people that are affected by this. How are you dealing with it? Are you dealing with it? How's your family treating you? Do you see the dysfunction in your parents' families that you're seeing? How are you reparenting yourself? We're going to get into that a little bit later, but in ways to do that. How are you making it? What opened your eyes? For me, it took a sociopathic narcissist and a lot of pain, but on the good side, the way she lured me into that trap. Listen to Mastermind by Taylor Swift. She set the groundwork. She filled me with what I needed from my mom. And for that, I will be eternally grateful. I am going to sign off. I am wishing you a wonderful, fantastic week. And I wish you great progress in your recovery. I do have to say, when you're ready, move forth. People will not understand you. What matters is you see the changes in your own life and you're willing to make a difference in your life for you and future generations. Thank you so much. This is Terry signing off talk to you next week.